understanding where your clutter comes from allows you the freedom to be able to then say, okay, I've identified this, I've labeled it, now how do we fix it? Welcome to Spark Joy, the podcast dedicated to celebrating the KonMari method and the transformative power of surrounding yourself with joy and letting go of all the rest. With your hosts and certified KonMari consultants, Kristen Ivey and Karen Sochi. And now, here's the show. Is your home a hot mess? If the answer is yes, you're going to enjoy today's guest organizer, Lori Palau of Simply Be Organized in Pennsylvania. Lori is a speaker, author, and host of the podcast, This Organized Life, where her listeners get a glimpse into her not-so-perfect world as a wife, mom, and professional organizer. Her book, Hot Mess, A Practical Guide to Getting Organized, is a must-read for anyone looking to streamline clutter from their life. With over nine years of organizing under her belt, Lori is another industry vet here to share her unique perspective on getting organized, along with road-tested practical tips. Welcome to Spark Joy, Lori. Thank you so much for having me. Welcome. We're so glad you're here. Me too. It's so nice to be on the other side of the of the mic, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lloyd, so tell us about something that I know all of our listeners are going to be very interested to know. How did you become a professional organizer? How did you know this was exactly what you wanted to do? Was this something that you'd always loved? Were you always a very organized person or what? So, I'll take you back. Um, my previous life pre-organizer, I was an executive recruiter. So, I'd always worked with people in various capacities. And I always found kind of getting to the root of what motivated them to make change, whether it was in their life or their career, was something that always fascinated me. And to answer your question in terms of was I always organized, I was, but I never really was cognizant of it. Like I never like really, it was just part of who I was. I was just someone that was naturally on time and I didn't like a lot of clutter. And for me, Clutter just equals chaos. And so as I, you know, grew up and then became a wife and a mom, I found that I needed to have systems and strategies to make my life function smoothly. So I was always organized in that capacity, but I never really gave it any like thought or credit, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, but then in 2009, I had a friend of mine who is an interior designer and had asked me if I would go on a consult with her to help a couple of her clients who she was doing some design work for, but they were really, really riddled with clutter. And she knew for me just being mom friends, our kids were the same age, that I was pretty organized. I had a lot of systems and strategies in place and that I was able to articulate that pretty clearly. So she's like, would you mind coming on? Because I don't want to deal with the clutter part of it. So as a favor, I went with her on a couple of consults and I just gave them some tips and suggestions of how they could streamline their clutter. And I noticed that it really resonated with these people. And she's like, you know, you really should consider doing this as a business. And I'd never really considered it at that time as something that was really viable. But the more I thought about it, I said, yeah, this is maybe something that I could really bring some value to people. And that's how Simply Be Organized was born. Wow, that's a really cool story. So <laughs> I love the fact that you 
kind of merged with the design industry, which is close to my heart. I have a master's in interior design and often infuse style and design on on the backside of organizing. Um, so yeah, that's really cool. Hmm. So it was just kind of a, a I guess, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, just a favor <laughs> at first yeah, I mean, that turned I really, into a passion. Yeah, it really, it's funny because I remember back distinctly years and years ago, like I'm probably dating myself, but years ago I used to watch Oprah and mm-hmm. she would be like, follow your passion, do something that you're passionate about. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm doomed because I don't really have any passions. Like I couldn't mm-hmm. think of anything that I was like super passionate about. And as time went on, I started realizing Again, the value of being organized and what that meant to me. And I would see my friends, whether it was my colleagues when I was working or, you know, my stay at home mom friends when my kids were little and we would go to like play group, I would see how stressed and anxious they would get and just that feeling of overwhelm that. I didn't seem to have, I mean, I had it in other ways, don't get me wrong, but just basic things where I was like, if you could just implement these simple strategies, your life would be so much simpler. Mm -hmm. And it just came very naturally to me and it didn't to them. And it took me a while to really kind of connect the dots to go, wow, maybe this is, you know, a tool that I can leverage to help other people. I'd love to hear a little bit more about your unique style and method of organizing. Here as professional organizers, we obviously practice the KonMari method, but we don't necessarily feel that KonMari is a one-size-fits-all kind of option. It's not always a fit for everyone. And, you know, I think different schools of thoughts often complement KonMari. So we'd love to hear more about your particular style of organizing and how it developed over time. That's great. So basically, my approach is to get to the root of where your clutter comes from, because I believe that it's a behavioral change that once you can get that behavioral change, the implementation, the tactical strategies will naturally follow suit. But until you can understand where your clutter comes from, what is holding you back, you're really not going to be able to make lasting change. And the analogy that I often make is going to a doctor. So let's say you have a headache and you keep taking Tylenol and the Tylenol is treating it for a little while, but then your headache comes back and the Tylenol wears off and you go through these different cycles and you could try different things to try to alleviate that. But until you really get to the root of what's causing that headache, you don't you can't officially properly treat it. And so what I find is a lot of times people get frustrated because they're making attempts. I think everybody wants to be organized. I think everybody, I don't, I've really never met anybody that says, I mean, I have some people that say, yes, I like my clutter. I'm comfortable in it. But I think ultimately most people, if they are given the choice, would rather live in an organized space. But I think what happens is a lot of people just get frustrated because they don't know how to get there and they make, you know, attempts that fail repeatedly and then that's demotivating. So the first thing that I do is try to I help my clients or my listeners identify what the root of the clutter is. And I've broken down clutter into three main categories and those categories are physical clutter, which is stuff that you see. It's the obvious stuff. It's 
toys on the floor, overflowing closets, dishes in the sink, piles of paper, you name it. That's physical clutter. But then the next type of clutter is what I call emotional clutter. And emotional clutter is the guilt or the fear that holds you back from making a change. And it could be guilt that my kids made this and if I get rid of it, I feel like a bad mom. It could be the fear of if I get rid of this paper, this bank statement, what if I need it? Am I going to be able to access it? It could be I spent a lot of money on these really expensive shoes and even though they kill my feet and I'm never going to wear them again, I'm going to hold on to them because... I spend so much money on them, I feel guilty giving them away. So emotional clutter is really what handcuffs you from being able to take action on the stuff that's in your life. And it holds a lot of people up. And until you can really kind of dig deeper into the emotional clutter, it's really difficult to make that lasting change without remorse and with you know without it being a struggle. The third type of clutter is what I like to call calendar clutter. And in full transparency, um, this is probably the area where I would struggle most. I always tell people, you know, and we'll, I, I always say that there's one dominant source. Um, although a lot there, you know, if I were to do this in a, in like a, in a model format, they would be concentric circles overlapping because I think they all really fester into one another. But calendar clutter really results in time. It's you're either running a million different directions, whether you're working full time, volunteering on 10 different committees, and you just don't have time to organize, or you are, you know, overworked with your children and running them from activity to activity. And again, by the time you come home, you're exhausted. Or I see a lot of people that, you know, they go, go, go all week. And then on the weekends, they are traveling and constantly moving. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But what happens is if you don't factor in time in your schedule to do these important tasks, unless you're delegating it and outsourcing it to somebody else to do, clutter is naturally going to ensue. And clutter doesn't have to be the physical stuff. It can just be the burnout, how you wind up snapping at your kids or your spouse because you are just spread too thin. There are so many different ways that calendar clutter can can manifest itself. So when you look at the three different key areas, physical, emotional, and calendar clutter, for me, the first step is identifying which is your dominant source. And I guess I've been doing this for so long, it doesn't take me long to realize when I walk into somebody's house or I talk to them and I see their environment to say, okay, I think this is, you know, I'm not diagnosing them, quote unquote, but I can see where their main pitfalls are. And then once once I can identify that, it'll help me as I'm crafting my strategy on, okay, this is how you, this, these are the, These are the catchphrases that you're going to want to say to kind of talk yourself off the ledge. When you start to get bottlenecked on, should I keep this or should I not? These are the questions that you're going to want to ask yourself. And I address all this in detail in the book. So, I mean, but I feel that, again, understanding where your clutter comes from allows you the freedom to be able to then say, okay, I've identified this. I've labeled it. Now, how do we fix it? So I really love this idea of of looking at clutter as something far more than just the actual items. I often think about clutter as being really 
um, there's really two costs involved in clutter. There's the cost of the actual space it's taking up because if something is occupying a space and nothing else can be there, but there's also the emotional cost of, of having to, to deal with it or all of the energy put into not dealing with it. So I really love some of the, some of this, this, um, this focus on the emotional, on the emotional underpinnings of, of clutter and especially in, in how it can continue in spite of someone's best efforts or, or best intentions to get rid of it. Um, and I really um, think that you've, you've really hit something really important when you talk about being able to see when you walk into a client's home um, what they're really um, addressing or what they really need to address. I'd be really interested in, in learning more about what you see when you walk into a client's home that gives you an indication of what particular issues they're dealing with. And then, of course, how do you help them with this? How how do you then process that that type of clutter? In any decision in life, I talk about choices and consequences. And with my clients, I'll say, listen, I'm not telling you that you can't shop. I'm not saying don't buy new things. But I'm saying, you know, once we've maximized your space, if your physical space outweighs your um you know, if you're bringing more stuff in that we have space to store it, then that's when we're going to run into a clutter issue. So, you know, there's not a one size fits all approach on how we handle it. But I think for me, there's certain triggers. So when I see lots and lots of um, like stuff in a garage, especially stuff that's like outdated, um, a lot of different tools, random stuff. I think uh, there's usually a lot of emotional clutter, like I might need this someday. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm kind of generalizing, stereotyping at this point. Sure. But just to kind of give you an idea, you know, I see a lot of stuff that has emotional clutter. When I see piles and piles of kids' artwork piled up, there's emotional clutter. And again, dealing with the emotional clutter doesn't necessarily mean that we have to pitch everything. Yes, my goal is to get you to streamline things and live simply, but I'm not a minimalist. I mean, I think that there's a lot of advantages to living minimally, but that's not my job. My job is to help you reduce the chaos that's in your world. What's the pain point that's in your world? And have allow you to... It, similar to you guys, allow you to enjoy the stuff that you have. You know, I have clients that hold on to every piece of kids' artwork because they feel like, my child made this. You know, I have to keep it. I have to honor them. You know, I'd be a bad mom if I didn't. And my point is, keep them, keep the things that are important, but let's keep them in a memory bin. Let's let's upload the artwork to a, a website like Archive. Let's, there's different ways that we can store them other than just shoving them in a drawer where you're not you're not honoring them, you're not giving them any value, and you're actually kind of diluting the purpose because if you need to go and find it, you're not going to probably be able to. A lot of times we have these feelings, but because there's never been a name for it, it's just, oh my gosh, my house is so disorganized, or oh, I'm a train wreck, I'm a mess, and I can't get it together. But when you start to really break it down and analyze it, you know, no, this is, this is identifiable and it's fixable. So I think that's that's how I kind of start the process. And again, it's pretty easy to be able to determine on your own. I even have a little quiz in the book that talks about, you know, asking yourself these few questions if you're unsure of, you know, where your dominant source is. And once you can identify that, that that's like kind of step one in helping you on that, you know, road to decluttering. It sounds like 
that what one of the things that you're saying is, is that clutter is often um, kind of a reaction to a situation, whether it's, you know, having too many things on the calendar or being overly concerned with how others would feel if you got rid of, you know, your child's 50 paintings from when they were, you know, three years old on or your mother's china. So it seems as though one of the things that you're saying is that the clutter sometimes is really a, a reaction to a set of circumstances as opposed to being because someone's just messy. Absolutely. I think that's so, so relevant and and so true for sure. And you've got some great resources as well. You mentioned archives. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a, a great one. Uh, if you could tell us a little bit more about that for those who aren't familiar and any other tools that yeah, sure. you um, pass along to your clients that help them really get over this hump or this wall of where they have trouble letting go. So Archive, as I mentioned, is a company that I've worked with for years. Um, the founder, Jed Gold, is become a good friend of mine. And I started working with them. They're basically a digital art storage app. And you can take a snapshot of your children's artwork and upload it to a digital album that is cloud-based. And at the end of the year or whenever, if you wanted to do just a project-based, you create basically like a book like you would for like a Shutterfly or Snapfish if you were to make a digital photo book. And they give you, and what's great about it is it can go chronologically. You can have one for each of your kids for every year. So you could do one for like all of your kindergarten stuff or all of your pre-K stuff. So Lori, we've talked about this whole idea of a dominant clutter source. We talked about the physical, the emotional, the calendar clutter. And when someone it takes the step of confronting it and understanding what their dominant clutter source is. I guess the next step would be to start the process of decluttering. Do you uh, suggest that they start with trying to attack that dominant source first, or do you save that for later on in the process? I think it kind of works hand in hand. So really what I, you know, a lot of times when people will come to me, they're kind of at the end of their rope. Like they're just overwhelmed and they're waving the white flag in general. Mm -hmm. Like I've had enough is enough. You know, I've tripped over that toy one too many times. The closet rod is broken and I'm just drowning in everything, right? So they have multiple pain points. But what I try to do is really um, break it down and say, okay, so – for me, you know, I say, let's let's look at your space as a whole, right? I do what I call like an organizing diagnostic. So I like look at their entire space from top to bottom to kind of see, okay, where do I see some habits? Where do I see trends? So it's me just kind of, again, assessing the situation. But what I will do is I'll say, okay, so I, I know the dominant clutter sort, you know, the dominant source of clutter, they may know it or they may not at this point. But I think in terms of an action plan, I always say, let's start with your biggest pain point first. And I think this is kind of one of the ways that our methods slightly differ. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's, you know, I certainly have an opinion about the organizing by category versus by room. But I think for me, it's about, let's just look at your pain point and say, okay, so right now, um, your kitchen is 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 making you crazy, right? You're you don't have like an efficient space there and you really need to maximize your pantry, blah, 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 blah. Let's start there. My organizing process is different 
than the dominant clutter source. So I, I will pick up their, their spot and then I use what I call my ESP method, which is the empty sort and purge method. So I will empty a space and it doesn't have to be the entire kitchen at once. Don't get me wrong, but it will be a drawer or a shelf or a cabinet or the pantry, whatever it is that we're going to start small and we work our way through that space from start to finish. Um, and then using this empty sort and purge and the sorting is you're sorting it into multiple categories. So it's going to be one of four. It'll either be your keep, which is pretty easy. People know what they want to keep. Then it's going to be your donate. So again, things that you have that are in good shape that you no longer need that you can pass along to somebody else. Your recycle, which could be recycle or trash, depending on you know what it is, but stuff that's broken, damaged, expired, whatnot. Um, and then the fourth pile, which I think is gets overlooked, is what we call the relocate pile. So it's stuff that you might want to keep, but it doesn't necessarily need to live there. So for example, you know, you're doing a kitchen and all of a sudden you you know, see, you know, some, you know, one of your kids' toys that gravitated in there. Or, um, you know, it could even be something that is that something that you use once a year that doesn't need to take a prime real estate in your kitchen. You know, I've relocated kitchen items outside of the kitchen. You know, for mm. a lot of times I've, you know, big things that people use once a year at Thanksgiving or Christmas, but they like take up half a cabinet. And right. I'm like, how often are you using this? And they're like, not often. I'm like, okay, well, we need to relocate this elsewhere. So I think it's about identifying where these where these items need to go. As you're speaking, I'm really seeing the difference and the, the similarities in our in our methods because I, I think both of us kind of boil things down into divide and conquer. So whereas we would divide maybe by category and then sort sort in that way, you're doing a similar thing with space. Um, as opposed, you know, you're just you're looking at particular spaces and looking at how the items in that that are taking up that particular space can be sorted and either um, organized in a better way or organized entirely differently. How? What are some of the other ways that you find functioning by space to be something that's working well for your clients? How does that? How does that translate as as you go through someone's home? I think it's because it's very tangible. I think it's very easy for someone to say, okay, I am going to organize this drawer or this closet or this defined space. So as somebody who does not get overwhelmed with the process, as somebody who can analyze and assess the situation on a personal level, I think organizing by category is great. I mean, I would love it. And I do tend to do certain things where I'll say to people, this happens a lot with like arts and crafts spaces where I'm like, okay, if we're going to organize your arts and crafts stuff, I'd like you to try to bring everything that we have. So if you got stuff in the basement, if you got stuff in the playroom, if you got stuff in the garage, wherever it is, let's try to group it together because ultimately you don't want to organize a space. And then when you move to the next space and you say, oh, well, then you've got 200 more crayons and coloring books and whatever. Now we have to find a home for them. So I do think there's a tremendous value in organizing by category. That being said, I think a lot of times, at least my clients are at such a state of overwhelm that it's much easier for them to grasp the concept and again, quote unquote, buy into the process if they know that they have a very defined start and end space that they're working within. 
And I think it allows them to navigate through it easier. As you keep more clutter in your home, uh, that's when we get back to this idea have that clutter kind of has a true cost. And I know mm-hmm. you talk a bit about this in your book, Hot Mess. So I do want to loop back and uh, get your take on what you believe the true cost of clutter is. I've even seen calculators out there that could give yeah. you a monetary value associated with how much clutter you have. So really curious about your take on that. So it's always like an interesting question. And I do a lot of speaking in like the corporate world. And I always tell people it's, it's, it's such a more cut and dry conversation because when you are making a salary, it's a matter of dividing and, you know, multiplying and dividing. This is how much I make. This is how much time I'm wasting or spending. What is my time worth? And, you know, the statistically speaking, and I I put this in my book, the average U.S. American citizen these days wastes approximately an hour a day on lost or misplaced items. So that accumulates over time resulting in, I believe if I do the math, it comes to about 15 days out of the year. Wow. So you're talking about a full two-week vacation, which, mm-hmm. you know, most people don't have an extra hour in the day. With You know, the, the biggest thing, one of the biggest complaints I hear from most people, and don't get me wrong, the words have uttered out of my mouth from time to time too, is I just don't have enough time. There aren't enough hours in the day. So when we think about you know we're all you know we're all pulled in multiple directions between work and family and uh, you know just trying to maintain friendships and self-care and all the things that are on our plate you know you it's very you know it our time gets sucked up so quickly and so when you think about the amount of time that people waste looking for misplaced items or whatever it is that they're that they're trying to do you know how do you put a number on that and especially when i talk to you know when i when i talk to people in the workplace i get a very different look than when i do a speaking event for a mom's group where predominantly everybody's a stay at home mom and they're like well i can't really articulate it but you can in terms of the cost of goods that you're you know that you are replacing like i said whether it's you're replacing, you know, you're buying seven bottles of Windex because you can't find them. Or, you know, oh, I can't, you know, I again, like I said, I can't find batteries. And it's usually these small things that add up over time. Lloyd, your reach expands far beyond your home base in Pennsylvania. Simply Be Organized has a professional uh, organizers network that expands over 22 states. That is so amazing. Can you tell us a little bit about how the network works and how this all came together? Absolutely. So as my business was growing and expanding from when I first started it in 2009, you know, I found that, you know, I was communicating and reaching people through various modalities. I had, first I had my blog and then I would have some TV appearances. I had then I had the podcast. Obviously, I have my book. A lot of ways that I was reaching out to people through social media and whatnot that were outside of our geographic footprint. And one of the things that people were always saying to me is, oh, I wish you only lived closer. Or, oh, are you going to expand? And are you going to franchise? Or, you know, I wish you were in, you know, my town. And as I always tell people, as much as the allure of like me sitting on a beach drinking a cocktail while I have like 10 different organizers, you know, working for me all over the country sounds great. I just knew that that wasn't 
how I envisioned my brand going. I feel like I'm very personally tied to the brand. And I didn't want to lose sight of that. But in the same token, there was a huge audience of people that I wasn't able to service other than outside of, you know, listening to my show or reading my book or following me on social media. So I wanted to come up with a way that I could bring value to their lives. And through the course of just my professional life, I've been connected with a variety of different professional organizers like yourselves that are in other markets that are doing really awesome things. And what I love about it is they're not clones of me. You know, they're not mini-me's. Yes, we all share the same similar philosophies of wanting to live simply, but we all have slightly different strategies and focuses of how we get from point A to point B. So I developed a program, which I call my SBO partner program. And the reason why I call it a partner program or my referral network is because they don't work for me. They're not employees of mine. They're not subcontractors of mine. They are their own professional organizers with their own business, their own brand, but they are doing awesome things in their geographic markets. So I basically looked at some of the areas where we have big pockets of listeners, followers, whatnot, and said, hey, I need to find people that can help service my reach in those areas. Well, Lori, I feel like this next question is going to be super easy for you since you are the author of A Practical Guide to Getting Organized. But (laughs) all of the organizer friends we have on the show, we love to ask them, what is your favorite tidying tip? Okay, this may seem super like, duh, simple, but we love simple. Okay. (laughs) Open the mail every day. Yeah. That's it. Don't let it pile up. Open the mail every day and make a decision. Um, I sort the mail into two categories. Actually, well, three, but um, your action, which is something that you're going to do, or your reference, which is something that you are going to need to keep for later, which should not be very big. Your reference pile should not be very big. So, And then you, of course, have your recycle, which should be the largest piece of the of the puzzle. So your action pile would be anything from a bill that you get in the mail that you have to pay, a invitation that you have to RSVP, and that goes directly into your action file, which for me, I personally like to store things vertically because I feel like it's a lot easier to flip through them than to have something just pile up horizontally. Um, And then your reference file would be something that you got in the mail. Maybe it is um, the new declarations page to your insurance renewal. Um, But it you have to be very selective. And again, I talk about this in the book of what you're keeping. Again, the majority of people keep way more paper than they need. And a lot of that stems out of, again, what I call fear. You're not emotionally attached to the paper, but it's that what if I need it? And I always, you know, tell people that if you can access it online, um, you could, you really don't need to keep it. You just need to keep, you know, a few key pieces, but most everything else can get recycled. So I say, don't let your mail pile up. That's my number one tip. That's a great one. Lori, at this very moment, what sparks the most joy in your life? Okay. This is an easy one also. I covet 
my quiet time in the morning. Mm-hmm. It is hands down something that I cherish and I am very intentional. Now, I love sleep. I am not one of those people that can like exist on like three, four hours of sleep. I'm not a night owl, but I will intentionally get up at least a half an hour, sometimes a little bit more earlier before the house wakes up. Well, sometimes my husband's because he's up and out early. But before my kids get up, even my dogs are asleep. I will get up. I will come downstairs, sit on the couch with a cup of coffee. I will read a de- like read a devotional, just kind of gather my thoughts. I don't open my computer. I just have that quiet time to, I don't want to say I meditate, which I think is an awesome thing to do. I just haven't quite mastered that yet. But just to have that time to kind of like process what's going to happen in my day, how I'm going to approach it before the craziness ensues, to me is really something that I just cherish. Lloyd, what about some parting words of wisdom to for our listeners? I think for anybody out there, the key is, first of all, to start small. I always say your clutter didn't accumulate overnight. Don't expect it to go away in the blink of an eye. So stop beating yourself up and just start small. The fact that you want to make a change is a huge, huge, you know, hurdle that you've already, you know, that you've already accomplished. And I also want to tell people, just remember that clutter isn't limited to what you see on the outside. It's how it makes you feel on the inside. I see a lot of people walking around and they feel like they have to put up these like pretenses, like they look all put together, but then they come home and, you know, they're really feeling, you know, completely out of control again, whether it's they're just running a million miles an hour or, you know, their, their life is, is filled with disorganization from a physical sense. And I think it's really just remember that clutter goes deeper than a pile of papers or a labeled basket. It's really about how it makes you feel. And I always tell people, if it's a pain point for you, that's when you need to change. I could walk into a space and see, you know, lots of what I deem as clutter. And if it doesn't bother you, you're not going to be inclined to fix it. So once you can identify that something is causing you stress, that's the first trigger to know that it's time to impart some change. Right. So good. Thank you, Lori, for sparking joy with us today. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much, Lori. To connect with Lori, you can find her at simplybeorganized.com. And that's simply the letter B and then organized.com. Listen to her podcast, This Organized Life, or join her social media community on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the handle Simply Be Organized. So now we want to hear from you. Tell us your burning tidying questions or share stories about how Kanmari has impacted your life. You can find us at sparkjoypodcast.com and click Ask Spark Joy to leave a question or comment for a chance to be featured on next week's show. While you're there, sign up to join our Spark Joy podcast community and get notified when each episode airs. You can also join the Spark Joy podcast community on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at the handle at Spark Joy Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope your day sparks joy. Thank you for listening to Spark Joy with your host, Kristen Ivey of For the Love of Tidy in Chicago. 
and Karen Sochi of The Serene Home in New York City. Spark Joy, the podcast is not endorsed by or affiliated with Conmari Media Incorporated. The opinions expressed on this episode represent the views of the co-hosts and guests alone and do not represent the corporate position of Conmari Media Incorporated or the Conmari Consultant Community.